Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is a new voice for the podcast, St. Clement of Alexandria. Like many of the early church fathers, we do not know much about St. Clement apart from scant information he provides about himself in his various works. He was born probably around the year 150 near Athens and raised in a non-Christian family. Even though he became in time a great Christian catechist, he does not provide any details of his conversion to Jesus Christ. He was blessed with a great appetite for learning as much as he could about everything. When old enough, he traveled extensively throughout the known world, availing himself of the finest teachers. His arrival in Alexandria, Egypt, however, changed much in terms of his intellectual pursuits. There he met Pantanus, the founder of what would be known in time as the great Alexandrian school of catechesis. There, Clement assisted with the formation of catechumens for conversion to Jesus through, the, through Christian initiation, and eventually succeeded Pantanus in leading the various catechetical ministries in Alexandria. When persecutions broke out during the reign of Emperor Sept. Timus Severus, the same persecutions that resulted in the martyrdom of Origen's father, Leonides, Clement moved to the province of Cappadocia. St. Clement's extant works include the Exhortations, the Tudor, and the Stromata. We listen this Sunday to an excerpt from the Stromata, Stromata is a Greek word that can be translated as carpet or miscellaneous. Stromata is an appropriate title for for the work as it is more of a collection of individual theological thoughts and reflections and not necessarily a well-developed theological work known for its systematic presentation of insights. Nevertheless, Uh, St. Clement does offer powerful insights concerning sacred scripture, and the section of the Stromata we listen to this Sunday reflects on uh, 
the passage from Exodus chapter 22 proclaimed at Mass today. Again, the law in its humanity says that if a man has built a new house but not yet moved in, or laid out a new vineyard but has not yet enjoyed the fruit, or become betrothed to a girl but not yet married to her, he is to be excused from military service. This makes military sense, since we would be unenthusiastic in our military service if we were being pulled in the direction of the things we longed for. People expose themselves to danger without a second thought, only if they are free in relation to natural impulses. It is also humane in the calculation that the outcome of war is uncertain, and it is unjust for such a man not to benefit from his own labors and for someone else who has taken no trouble to secure the property of those who have been put to work. The law also seems to be pointing to spiritual courage when it lays down that a person who plants should enjoy the harvest, one who builds should live in the house, one who is engaged should marry. It does not nullify the hopes of those who discipline themselves to live by reason and revealed knowledge. For a good man's hope does not perish in death or life. I love those who love me, says wisdom. Those who seek me will find peace, and so on. Well, did not the women of the Midianites use their beauty to distract the Hebrews when they were at war and lead them from self-control through debauchery to godlessness? They first became their mistresses and used their beauty to charm them away from the honorable behavior to the pleasures. Then they maddened them to the point of giving themselves to idolatrous sacrifices and foreign women. Overpowered by women and pleasure at the same time, they renounced God and the law. Almost the whole people became subject to their enemies. Those who survived faced danger, entered on the struggle for their religion, and established themselves as master of their enemies. Quote, Worship is the beginning of wisdom. The understanding of holy things is insight. Knowledge of the law is the mark of a good intelligence. Unquote. Those who suppose that the law creates a fear, which is a passion, have not the virtue to understand, and have never really put their minds to the law. The fear of the Lord creates life. The person who goes astray suffers from pains which revealed knowledge, but never reviews. This is presumably the mystical sense of Barnabas's words. May God, the ruler of the whole universe, grant you also wisdom and understanding, scientific knowledge, 
revealed knowledge of his acts of righteousness and patience. So, be taught by God, seeking out what the Lord seeks from you, so that you may find at the day of judgment. By revealed knowledge, he calls those who meet with these qualities children of love and peace. There is a great deal about sharing and exchanging, but it is enough to say that the law forbids lending at interest to a brother. By brother, it means not merely one born of the same parents, but a member of the same tribe or one of the same faith who shares in the same logos. The law does not deem it right to collect interest on the capital. It seeks free giving to those in need, which hands and minds wide open. God is the creator of this free gift. It is he who shares his goods, exacting only reasonable interest, the most precious things human beings possess, gentleness, goodness, high-mindedness, repute, and glory. Do you not see this injunction as equally springing from care for humanity? Pay the poor man's wages on the day he earns them. Scripture teaches that we, we must pay, without hesitation, the wages for services rendered. I suppose that when the poor man is hungry, his enthusiasm for his task is reduced. Again, it says that a creditor should not go to his debtor's house to exact his pledge forcibly but should invite him to bring it out, and that the person with the pledge should not be stripped of his clothes. During the harvest, it forbids owners to gather up the bits which fall from the sheaves, and similarly advises that in harvesting something, something should be left behind unreaped. By this it gives excellent teaching to owners in the practice of generous sharing by leaving some of their property for those in need and providing the poor with a chance for food. Do you see how the legislation proclaims simultaneously the justice and goodness of the God who provides food unstingingly for all? Again, in the grape harvest, the harvesters are forbidden to go back and cut anything that has been left over or to collect. The same rules are applied to olive gatherers. In fact, the principle of tithing crops and flocks was an education in honoring the divine, not being totally absorbed by profit, but sharing humanely with the neighbor as well. I suppose that the priests received their sustenance from these first fruits. So do we now understand how the law educates us in piety, sharing, justice, and humanity? Well, does it not enjoin that the land lie fallow through the seventh year 
and invites the poor not to be afraid to use any crops that grow by God's grace, nature acting as a farmer for any who will? Is not the law excellent? Does it not teach justice? Again, it enjoins the same practice in the fiftieth year as in the seventh, restoring to each person their property. If in the meantime they have been deprived of land through some circumstance, setting a boundary on the cupidity of those who have been their heart set on possessions by measuring the time during which they may be enjoyed, and wanting those who have been subjected to a long period of poverty not to be punished all their life long. Alms and faithfulness are the protectors of the king. A blessing is on the head of one who shares. He who has pity on the poor will receive blessing because he shows towards his fellow the love he holds for the maker of humankind. St. Clement of Alexandria, pray for us. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity, and make us love what you command, so that we may merit what you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. <laughs>